evening, everybody. Good evening, good evening. Happy to have you on a Wednesday night. In the final hours of August. I know we have one more evening, but it's just, it's gone. Though it was, it felt like July today in the sun. It's very hot. And yeah, yeah, here we are on a hump day. The last one in August. And we're going to have a good one tonight because we've got a very interesting guy. Guy with a fun job. Really fun job. His name is Jeff Wamsley. I've been calling him Wamsley. And um, so <laughs> it happens from time to time. And he is the, uh, the guy who started the Mothman Museum, the Mothman Festival, which is coming up in September. And so many other things. I mean, he's written books, and uh, he's made his life Mothman, and uh, catering to a, a you know a curiosity that never dies. Um, so I love I love this kind of a thing, and I I love Jeff's story too. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, how he came to find himself as a proprietor of some of the best Mothman exhibits in Point Pleasant in West Virginia, and uh, and then from there we're just going to talk about the legend itself and, and, and what he's learned over the years and the witnesses he's spoken to and the elements of the story that not many people know about but are, are worth noting. Like, did you know that there is a men in black aspect to the, to the Mothman sightings? That, the, that, that this is... This may be a little bit more along the the, uh, the lines of a Roswell level operation than just uh, you know cryptozoology. I don't know, uh, but it's the first time I heard it. First time I heard it, and I thought, that, well, that's going to be really great to talk about that and and many other things. And of course, we'll learn about the museum. We'll learn about the upcoming festival that's going to be happening. I think on September sixteenth and seventeenth. Uh, anybody in the West Virginia area, I know a lot of you are within driving distance of it. It looks like it's going to be a fun time. And, um, and you know what, if, if the middle of my September weren't so crazy already, I would be, uh, I'd be there. No doubt about it. So the best thing I can do second to that is talk about it and let everybody else know, because perhaps some of you can go out there and I will live vicariously through you. I want to make a couple of quick announcements. Number one, I know, I know about the 8 o'clock start times that have been displayed across every platform. I thought it was just a pilled issue. Then I realized it was Rumble. I realized it was YouTube. I realized it was everything. I, I just, I don't understand what happened. So I just want to let you know, I know, I noticed it. Um... And I do not know what happened because especially today, this is the second day in a row now, I went and I scheduled everything and I double checked seven o'clock, saved it. It said seven o'clock. So the first thing I'm going to do when I get home is peek into my system settings on my home computer and make sure I'm in the right time zone, which if I'm suddenly not in EST, I'm going to wonder what, how the hell that happened. But then again, everything happens for whatever it's also uh, up in the air 
all so up in the air. Um, but yes, uh, there's going to be, and, and also just so you know, this just came in from from Abe. On the network end of things, after the show ends tonight at nine o'clock, there is going to be a Mothman Rabbit Hole. Okay, so we're going to Mothman Rabbit Hole Wednesday after this show ends on Quite Frankly TV. That is where you all should be watching. You all should be watching and enjoying because that's the only place on the internet where the 7 o'clock show ends and the extension of, quite frankly, that is the network. The stuff that we can't do in an average two-hour broadcast, that's when the after-hour programming begins. And uh, who knows? I don't know if they're going to play the actual Mothman prophecies from 2002, which I always thought was a decent uh, um, movie with Richard Gere. Do you guys see that movie? I haven't seen it in a while. I'd like to watch it again. Um, I'm sure that I'm sure anything that I asked Jeff tonight um, is is going to be something that he has heard tens of thousands of times, and I'm not exaggerating. So let's see the the patience he has with me. It's going to be a good time. Uh, also, while you're on Quite Frankly TV, get to the affiliates page and patronize all of our wonderful friends and sponsors. Go check them out. All American businesses, all American products and services, things that you need, things that you will not feel sorry about indulging in a little recreation time as well. So go and uh, do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. Tomorrow night, I have a guest coming on. His name is Mike King, and he is the the host of Profiling Evil. It's a very popular YouTube channel for true crime. And they follow a lot of, I mean, they are on top of a lot of cases that are open, that are are developing in real time, true crime in real time. So I want to invite you all to send me questions. If you ever wanted to, because it's going to be a very, very true crime by the book. He's a hard-nosed kind of guy that just likes getting down to work, doesn't deal in conspiracy theories, all that stuff. He just deals with what's in front of him. And if you ever had any questions of people who investigate these these cases, questions about um, methodology, uh, trends that they see, that they have seen over the years, things that get better, that get worse, that are mutating in society, um, when it, as it pertains to violent crime and ritual uh, murder, anything like that, they, this would be a great, great night to send me an email and say, I've got a true crime question, especially when it has to do with actual methodology uh, methodology of detective work. I would love to hear some of your questions about that. I would love to have all the best questions about methods tomorrow. Um, and And yeah, so, and then after that, Friday night should be fun. I have some, some some fun things set aside for Friday night with Matt is here. And then next week should be just as well. Jeff Harmon is coming on next week. As of right now, I think Jay Dyer is coming back for a night. And, yeah, a lot more. A lot more to come. So, I'm having a good time. Got to force yourself to have a good time because there's plenty of reasons why you can just walk around with like a pit in your stomach. Like I got that's that's going on. Oh, that's ahead. And then you start getting into this habit where you're just trying to survive the weeks when you don't have to, when you mustn't. 
you mustn't just survive the weeks. Those weeks are your life. It's not just the work week. Your life isn't the weekend. I know it might feel that way sometimes, but um, but yeah, we must all carry on. All right, so here we go. Into the grab bag. Oh, just a quick aside about J- that kid Jaden last night that we were talking about had the Gadsden flag patch on his book bag, and he had a problem with some uh, ninny school teachers and administrators out there. Well, the district uh, evaluated the entire thing. They said he can, oh, he, he should attend school with a Gadsden flag patch visible on his backpack. They said upon learning the, the, uh, the events of today, that's yesterday, the Vanguard School Board directors called an emergency meeting about a Gadsden flag. Well, I guess but I guess it's the whole thing, and especially emergency meeting because it garnered national attention. From Vanguard's founding, we have pro- we have proudly supported our Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and the ordered and the ordered liberty that all Americans enjoyed for almost 250 years. The Vanguard School recognizes the historical significance of the Gadsden flag and its place in history. This incident is an occasion for us to reaffirm our deep commitment to a classical education in support of these American principles, which I think is a timely and very well-articulated statement to quickly put this behind everybody and make no, you know, make no bones about what the hell this is. Now, obviously, uh, you need to evaluate, again, the type of teachers you're bringing into your schools, which is going to be very hard to rid yourself of this nonsense because this is an ideology that implants itself inside a busybody, especially busybody women. And it just replicates. And they feel the need to be missionaries in this social engineering. And that's why they go into education. So, um... So good on the school district for releasing that that statement, but of course there are other problems to be solved. As far as Mitch McConnell's problems, whoa, uh, you might have seen this, you might not have, but he had another neurological freeze-up episode. He was addressing media in Covington today. And his aides had to step in to help him out and repeat questions. He was eventually led away. And that is all from the reporting of Hannah Thomas. But take a look at this. Another very awkward and painful 46 seconds. What are my thoughts about what? Running for re-election in 2026. Re-election. He's asked, uh, he's asked a question about whether or not he's running for re-election in 2026. Sure. Well, there's your answer. Oh, God. He's gone. Did you hear the question, Senator? Running for re-election in 2026? Yeah, he heard it. All right, I'm sorry, you all. We're going to need a minute. It's... It, it, honestly, it, it may it uh, it pulls on my uh, on my heartstrings here because it, re- it reminds me of my grandmother um, toward the end, docile, kind of staring off a little bit, hears you, needs a little bit of leading, but you know, obviously when he is 
in top form, which was only like a year and a half ago. This is the weird thing about people like Diane Feinstein. Obviously, they don't want to let go. You got to pry their bony fingers off of the levers of power. But you go back even three and a half years, and they are still in fighting form. Diane Feinstein is is making Lisa Murkowski cower in the corner over there in the, uh, the, 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 wherever the hell they were. I forget what was going on there. As far as bullying people and being able to whip votes and subjugate people, this is an 87-year-old woman at the time. Now she's 90 and has completely deteriorated. Obviously, a lot of things has happened in the last three years. Who knows what's going on here? But Mitch McConnell is the same. He's 80, 81. And he's gaunt and obviously fried. Now, when he's in top form, we can throw around, you know, you make you 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 mock people, and I mock him. I mocked him a lot. Not mocking him now, because this is obviously not a. And I, what is this? You know, and it, it just happens so fast. It happens so fast. Just incredible. So, um, so yeah, I mean, he, he he seemed like he had control even just like eight months ago. Remember, I mean, he was out there. We're listening to him uh, make declarations about what twenty twenty was, what twenty twenty four was going to be about after the midterms, and. Um, laying the groundwork for a moving away from Donald Trump, leaving the Trump era behind the party and all that. And he is just gone. A light switch has been flipped. Very odd. Well, I feel bad for his loved ones because obviously somebody has to care for him and he's uh, not going to get better. All right. At that age, that stuff starts happening. It's just stuff that you have to deal with and hopefully you can manage it for a while. Anyway, um, here's the New York Post. New York Post has some some crazy stuff for you. Inside San Francisco's dens of death as liberal city faces drug crisis. Now, we knew it was bad out there, but listen to this. San Francisco's once trendy downtown area has descended into a drug-addled hellscape where addicts regularly overdose in city-funded dens of death. Historic hotels in the Tenderloin neighborhood, which used to be the city by the Bay's premier entertainment district, are now the face of the progressive California city's deterioration. Around 20,000 rooms in about 500 hotels have been converted from coveted tourist destinations into roach and vermin-infested single-room occupancy housing for vagrants. This is what they're doing. Listen, it's all over the place. They want hotels turned into these into these uh, these crack dens. They want hotels turned into places where they can house the uh, the illegal aliens that they're trafficking across the border with federally subsidized buses and planes. They're also doing this to apartment buildings. And what are they doing first? There's, they're wrestling away any kind of private ownership of these properties through um, uh, rent moratoriums because of COVID and all that other stuff. And then, of course, these, uh, these, uh, these actions that completely destroy any kind of chance that they will be profitable again and will actually contribute to a city. 
and people are just going to start cashing in their chips. And then what do you have? You have hotels, you have apartment buildings, and you have every other kind of public housing that is owned by what is essentially government-subsidized buildings, government-subsidized companies. So it's an expansion of public housing by covert means. And it's just destroying cities and they don't care. It's destroying everything. I mean, there's no more culture left. This is just, this is sad. Especially when you see the drugs that everybody's doing these days. That trank stuff that turns people into zombies, that's something else, man. So many of the century-old buildings are now overrun with drug-addled zombies high on fentanyl and flesh-eating animal tranquilizer dubbed trank. You've seen the videos out of Philadelphia and everywhere else. Residents told the Post during a tour on Tuesday. It's like living in a prison, but worse, Robert Blackburn said of his squalid room in one of Tenderloin's SROs. The neighborhood, located just two miles south of tourist hotspot Fisherman's Wharf, uh, was once one of San Francisco's fashionable neighborhoods, home to Bonanza Kings, politicians, and millionaire merchants, according to the San Francisco Chronicle. I wonder what Michael Savage has to say about this. I wonder what Savage has to say about this. Longtime Tenderloin resident J.J. Smith, who lives near four of the city-funded build- buildings, says that once they put these people in there, uh, it's like they're stuck. Yeah, they're not getting out. And it's another reason why uh, landlords are, are selling, because they realize that there's no going back, that this is permanent. That the people who are being put in there, whether they've been imported or created here domestically, this is the future. This is the future that those who control our government and most of our, you know, influence most of what's going on in our lives now, uh, this is the future that they've invested in. So you can't have people who are functional, who are sober, who are working, who are independent, and don't need anybody. That's it. That's it. And this is, of course, the lowest of the underclass you can you can create. And they want that underclass to be permanent. All right. Let's see. Oh, oh here's another one. We're going to do a little bit more on this maybe on a Friday night. But just as a segue into something I think is much funnier and more appropriate for a Friday night. But the uh, the woman on the plane who said that the MF in the back of the of the plane is not real. This thing keeps getting more and more eye-rolling. Now she has been spotted. She's been spotted in a um, an airport by TMZ wearing the exact same shirt. Now, I think it's a different color, but it's the exact same cut. Her hair is done the same way. Makeup is done the same way. She has, re- she has replicated her fashion choices for the uh, the big infamous day that she was escorted off the plane. Now, this is TMZ. Isaac Weishaupt, who was just on the show, said this. <clears throat> he said, this is so bizarre. No way this chick is trying to lay low. And then goes to the airport wearing the same exact outfit as the famous video. And TMZ just happened to be at the airport. I told him, and I'll tell you, and this does not take a rocket science to figure it out. These meetings... They are completely planned. They are staged. I know this from experience because in spring of 2014, when my brother Anthony's 10 Second Songs account first went 
mega viral and literally broke the internet for for a, a few weeks. Um, they got in touch with us and said, "Hey, would you would you like to meet, meet us down here this this time? We want to do a piece on you, but you know it has to be on the street and all that stuff." So we're like, "Sure, oh yeah." And Anthony's like, "Do you want to come with me? I think I'm going to do this." I mean, at, this is at a time when he was getting written up in Rolling Stone and every news uh, news you know organization around here and whatever. So we're like, "Sure, yeah, we'll go down." So me, Anthony, our buddy Gypsy, we went down together. And they, they literally told us, okay, we'll just start right here, and you just walk down the street, and we're going to walk down this way, and we're going to stop you and uh, and have a little exchange. And they, they, they said, you got it. And that's what we did. And I don't even think they ever used it. But this stuff is always, this is, this is nonsense. Nonsense. And uh, what do they say in this little this little canned video here? Well, here she is. She's asked the question about what did you see that day, all right? And everything is, uh, you know, the cat that ate the cream smile and can't tell you now. You got to go to my socials and figure out what comes next. Bullshit. I, I honestly, so when I saw the TMZ thing, I said, wow, this is to- every string that could be attached to this thing has been long since attached. All right now. Yeah. You can't all right. Listen to this. Yeah, yeah. Well, but what about, like, what was the reason that you wanted to get off so bad? Um, again, can't speak on that right now, but... I can't speak on that right now. Trying to figure out, we're trying to figure out what species we were dealing with. Yeah, we're, we're, we're in talks with the, with the Galactic Federation, and uh, we'll have more on that soon. So, on, on a scale of 1 to 10, how bad do you think the crazy is with her? What do you think? Are we talking about 6 to 8? We're going mid to high here? Um, we'll see. We'll talk about a little bit more of that on Friday, and and who the hell knows. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys and gals so much. Let's get this one started off so I can set the table for our friend Jeff Wamsley of the Mothman Museum and Mothman Festival down there in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Don't go anywhere. One ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Gentlemen, welcome to the real show. And we'll get to you tonight. Let me get a, let me get all my notes. 
Let's see where I left off. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. How simple. We're talking about Mothman. Now, tonight's guest, who's going to be joining us pretty soon, his name is Jeff, and he's got a great story. We're going to talk. I'm going to wait for the personal story until we, he comes on here. But I want to go to the website, mothmanlives.com, which was the first thing that he launched after realizing how big the interest, I mean, always is. There's always an interest in Mothman, especially in that part of the country, in which he had just uh, opened up a record store. Okay, that's, the, that's part of his story. He had a chain of record stores, and he opened up one in Point Pleasant. And there's always something Mothman going on, always inquiries being made. And then, uh, and then of course, this next chapter in his life started with MothmanLives.com. Now, I'm going to read you a little excerpt that's on this, on this website. And it comes right from the book that you, you, at least everybody knows the title of this book, The Mothman Prophecies by John Keel. And it was the inspiration for the movie... And much, much more. But take a listen to this. Uh, the following two paragraphs are taken directly from the back cover of John Keel's book, The Mothman Prophecies. For 13 months, the entire town of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, was gripped by a dark terror that culminated in a tragedy that made headlines all over the world. This is a story that contains the elements of a modern science fiction movie, but every single word is true and fully documented by famed journalist John A. Keel. Homes uh, throughout the little towns were plagued with unearthly noises and ghostly manifestations while mysterious aerial lights traveled silently overhead seemingly on a regular basis. Winged monsters and frightening apparitions terrified the population as automobiles stalled and telephones and TV sets ran amok. A Red Cross bloodmobile filled with fresh blood was pursued along a darkened highway by a weird flying machine. Domestic animals were found slaughtered and mutilated in pastoral farm, uh, farm fields. Innocent people lived in surrealistic horror, haunted by the fearsome demonic bird and besieged by legions of strange beings, some of which arrived in ordinary-looking automobiles. So... This is a, a little bit of the back end of this. And it goes back to the early 20th century, too. It even says over here, in the earlier parts of the 1900s, an area outside of Point Pleasant was set up as a uh, McClintic Wildlife Preserve. It was, among other things, designed as a bird sanctuary. Now, during World War II, part of that preserve was ripped up in order to construct about 100 igloos, they call them, these large mounds of earth were made to uh, be unnoticed from the air. Deep inside each, we had cement and steel protected the contents, which were wartime explosives. So bombs and all that kind of stuff were being, were being housed over here in a portion of what was originally a, uh, a bird sanctuary. So I, I wonder what this, all, what this all means, that all of a sudden this part of town had become of military interest and then very I don't know very Roswell like uh, occurrences here it makes me wonder how much of this is cryptozoological and how much of this is just the old-fashioned Roswell UFO military secret military program kind of a thing that's going on but as I said before 
whatever I have to ask, whatever I've been pondering, whatever I'm going to throw at Jeff Wamsley over here, he has, he has heard thousands of times before. I just hope I don't bore him. Jeff, welcome to the show. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for making time for us tonight. And um, before we get to all the other things that you do and what's going on there in September with the festival and all in the museum. I want to know about it all. I want to talk about your personal story. What led you to Mothman? Um, because what I have read is that it was your rock and roll lifestyle. You are a uh, musician, uh, a music teacher. A, a, you've recorded your own music back in the day, too. I had a, a rock band, metal, all that stuff. Yeah, that, that's close to my heart right there. But rock and roll, it led you to Mothman. It led you to Point Pleasant. Can you tell us about that story? Well, actually, I was born and raised in Point Pleasant. Oh, really? I thought you were in Ohio. Yeah, I, I got I've that lived wrong. I've here all my life. Uh, yeah, I was about five years old when all this stuff started back in the mid-60s. And But you are, are correct. Uh, you know, I started playing guitar when I was about 15. Uh, huge Kiss fan. You know, seen them in, on the Alive 2 tour. And that, that kind of changed things for me. So... Got heavily into playing guitar. You know, we, we had, a, had a band and, you know, did a couple albums and stuff. I still play, you know, when, when time permits. But, uh, you know, at the same time as the, the music career was, was uh, keeping us busy and everything, I opened a chain of uh, record stores uh, called Criminal Records. And, uh, you know, we, we dabbled a little bit with some Mothman merchandise. A buddy and my, myself both were artists and graphic design type people. And I seen the interest and everything. And this was before the movie came out in 2002, you know, the Mothman Prophecies movie with Richard Gere. Uh, so, you know, I wrote that first book, Mothman Facts Behind the Legend, because a lot of the witnesses, those original witnesses, I knew who they were. Uh, they were a lot older than I, than I was, you know, but uh, I was able to get interviews with a lot of those people, get their take on what was going on, and and it kind of blew blew up from there, you know, in, in the record stores. And then Napster came along and kind of ruined it for the for the record shops and stuff, the independent mom and pop stores. So um, went into teaching graphic design. I just retired this year from the uh, high school career center. So I devote pretty much all my time now to the museum, uh, the festival, and we have a couple other big projects that we're working on and stuff. But, yeah, I guess you could say rock and roll kind of, you know, I was always fascinated, you know, like I said, with, with bands like Kiss and the theatrical aspect of things. And, and uh, I think that's what kind of drew me to the to the sci-fi side oh, yeah. of things, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you you can't separate. But I do have my New York Yankees hat on too. I noticed you have one on. Oh yeah, well, so, well, are you a fan? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I I don't watch sports much anymore and stuff. But I always thought the logo was cool. Yeah, know? yeah. I, I always thought it was too. And honestly, that that's all they are this year—a logo because yeah. they they stink, they stink. <laughs> <laughs> but but I I would say. Um, so, see, that's really interesting. I, I guess whatever I was reading before, uh, maybe I just misinterpreted it. I thought that you were from Ohio, and this string wow. of and this string of uh, of uh, record um, record stores that opened up, and you picked Point Pleasant as one as a place. It doesn't matter because well, I long- live in Ohio now. My wife was from Ohio, you know, but but I was born and raised in Point Pleasant. We spend most of our time over there in Point Pleasant. Got gotcha. you, uh, got gotcha. you. So this is interesting how. 
that digital age coming in and really screwing because we loved our our record shops we loved going to the record store and uh, we had a lot of really good ones around here and it just became obsolete but uh, you actually were able to transition into something else with Mm -hmm. the uh with the with the mothman stuff that was popping up and this kind of interest the more i read about point pleasant this is a one of those rare things where people uh, an entire entire town seems to really embrace that identifier as, as the home of Mothman. Yeah, they do. I mean, you know, uh, it happened so many years ago, but Moth, uh, you know, you go anywhere in the world pretty much and tell people you're from Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and, and they most people know, you know, they'll mention Mothman and stuff. But I, I did go pretty much from music to monsters. I always tell people that because it, you know, the Mothman Museum is, is a lot like, the record stores you know it has that independent feel to it and we actually opened we have two sister stores right close to the museum and uh, one of them's called point pleasant trading company the other one is called bunker 304 but it's modeled after it actually sets beside the original spot where one of the criminal record stores you know was located so people come in there and they say oh this reminds me of criminal records and i'm like well here, here <laughs> I am. It's kind of modeled after it. Well, that's yeah. a that's a pretty big stake you have over there. Three different locations, all around the same area. I love the the look of the museum. Um, all yeah. that is linked on on the websites we have over here. Uh, tell us about some of the exhibits you have there before we start getting into the story and the local lore. Mm-hmm. By the way, I love the merch too. I ordered myself a a. Uh, a, uh, a shirt earlier on, so I'll be wearing that sometime soon. But tell us about the exhibits you okay. have at the at the museum. Well, the museums and the archives that we have at the museum, I've collected for, you know, 20, 30 years. A lot of those are one of a kind. We have original police reports. We have uh, original transcripts from John Keel's Mothman Prophecies book, who, by the way, he was from New York. You know, he came here to investigate the Mothman sighting. So we have a lot of his original uh, pieces of work. We have a lot of props that were used in the motion picture with Richard Gere, Mothman Prophecies costumes uh we have a new media room where you can sit down and watch documentaries um it's all interactive um on the weekends we even have a a a mothman tour guide type guy who who goes through the museum with people and answers questions and stuff above the museum um we've been working on it for about three years we're trying to get it finished up as as will be our, our mothman escape room and that's going to be pretty cool when we get wow. it finished. Uh, COVID kind of threw us back a little bit, but we have a few technical issues we're trying to get taken care of. All you need is above, a... Above the uh, trading company, which sits beside the museum, we just started this week with uh, putting the carpet in, but it will be a nine-hole black light mini-golf Mothman-themed. And, uh, that'll, that'll be the only one in the world, pretty much, just like the museum. I mean, you're, I mean talk about originals. You've got the, the tour... The tour buses that you can... Oh, I saw the van. Yeah. I, I, I know the tours are available. you got the great merch. Uh-huh. You've got all these artifacts and all these uh, these relics from, from the first sightings and all of that. And now the, uh-huh. the mini golf... All you need is the Mothman laser tag. you got to get Mothman laser well, tag. Yeah, well, you, that company that puts in the golf, they do the laser tag, too. Oh, you got to <laughs> do it. Well, let me, you so, never know. You well, never know. So let me ask you about now the stories, the first sightings. Uh-huh. I know that you ta- said you've you've been able to talk and you, you know witnesses from, from when mm-hmm. this first popped up in, I think, 1966. Talk yeah. about the very first sightings here and what we were talking about um, 
uh, it, was it aerial phenomenon in a way where they thought it was vehicles or was it always bird-like? Go ahead and start from the beginning. Well, the first sighting here in Point Pleasant took place on November 15, 1966. And the two were two young couples. They were both married, married couples in a car up in the TNT area, which is about nine miles north of Point Pleasant. The TNT area during World War II is where they manufactured explosives for World War II. Uh, after the war ended, the government just left everything up there. So it was a perfect environment for anything spooky like that. But you had the old power plants up there and the, the igloo bunkers, which are still there now. That's where we take the tours to. But anyways, uh, they were up there. It was about 11 o'clock at night. It was, a, it was like a Tuesday evening, I think. And uh, they were driving by that, that what they called the, the north power plant. So it's a three-story uh, tall structure. Um, vacant, you know, and it's where all the kids would hang out and drag race and all that kind of stuff, Lover's Lane. And they saw what they just thought was a, a person or a man standing in the middle of the road as they came down the road. And Linda Scarberry, who was sitting in the front seat, you know, told me, she said, well, we just thought it was a man until we got up on it. And she said the headlights hit it and we noticed two red, distinct red eyes, almost like a nocturnal animal, like a, you know, a possum or a raccoon or whatever. And she said, as we got closer, we saw wings come out, and she estimated 10 to 12-foot wingspan. And she said it stood there and looked at us, and then it ran in toward the, the north power plant. They just thought it maybe it was somebody just trying to scare them or whatever, so they went on down the road. And then when they got to Route 62, coming back into town, it's about a four-mile stretch coming down through there. They noticed something over top of their car. They were driving an old 57 Chevy Bel Air. <clears throat> and uh, she said it came right over top of the car, stay above the car for a while, disappear, come back. And it chased them all the way into town. Um, they didn't know what it was. Uh, it scared them, you know. They pulled into the local uh, hamburger joint called Tiny's Drive-In and ran in and told the owner, who I sp actually spoke to about two weeks ago. He's a... Uh, He's in his 80s now, but I asked him, I said, you know, do you think they were making the story up? And he said, absolutely not. He said, I called the police because he said, I saw how upset they were. And and when you say I, that over, it was over the car, you're talking about this mm -hmm. thing was air, it was in midair and it was, it, matching, was it was matching speeds. Yeah. Okay, go right. ahead. And they were, they were doing about 90 to 95 miles an hour down that straight stretch. Uh, she said that uh, it would, it would come over the car a little bit and then it would disappear, come back over the car. Um, the sheriff's department investigated, went back up to the to the TNT area with the, the two couples, didn't see anything, and that sparked a whole almost a two-year period of people seeing what some people thought was just an enormous bird of some sort, uh, a large sandhill crane. Um, but Lynn and them were adamant about what they told me. They said, you know, what we saw was shaped more like a man. It wasn't a bird. Um, but you had over you over a hundred reported sightings within the first year, I think year and a half. Hmm. And I always speculated there was a lot of people that didn't report it because they were just afraid of people calling them crazy and stuff, you know. So, but a lot of prominent people. I mean, it wasn't just two young couples. You know, you had <clears throat> professional business people, you know, teachers, uh, all kinds of people reporting strange lights in the sky. This this flying entity. And then, you know, of course, the men in black started coming into the picture. A lot of these witnesses said that 
they were getting visits from these people that were dressed in black suits and the dark glasses and asking them not to talk about it, that they really didn't need to be putting this stuff in the newspapers and you know, um, when, when you bring this, when I started reading into your work and to what was out there and what's been documented, especially what the museum does to talk about this and preserve, um, mm -hmm. I, I had no clue about the men, of black, men in black sto uh, aspect. I also had, but then again, I had no clue about the, 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 this portion of Point Pleasant that was pretty much of military interest. Um, during World War mm -hmm. II. So all of a sudden when I right. get military involvement, men in black, my, my, mm -hmm. I was going to ask you an origin question. Obviously, you probably get this a lot too. The creature's origin story. You know, w for example, closer to where I am in New Jersey, the that area of southern New Jersey around the Pine Barrens, we've got the mm -hmm. Jersey Devil. And, right. you know, the story about the Jersey Devil is that it's the cursed 13th child of a woman from the Pine Barrens named Jane Leeds. And I, mm -hmm. I wondered, okay, is there some kind of a common backstory for where Mothman came out of? But now, I, I, I don't know if we're, you're talking cryptozoological or are you talking about a military-style cover-up over well, here? Well, it, it, there's so many different theories. I mean, you know, some people thought it might have been a bird that got into some of the waste that was left over in the TNT area. You know, it was a deformed bird or animal of some sort. Um, some people looked at it more of a spiritual type entity, you know, back 200 years ago, you had, you had a, a Shawnee chief named chief Cornstalk. who was murdered over a land dispute. And there was always, uh, rumors that he cursed the town for 200 years. Um, every time something bad would happen, you know, people would say, well, it might be Cornstalk's curse. And then John Keel always uh, speculated that you know this was this was the height of the Vietnam War you know in the mid 60s and he speculated that maybe the military was here doing uh, maneuvers uh, experimenting with stealth technology which explained the lights in the sky and things mm. like that but uh, I mean I've heard about every uh, every theory that you can think of you know Green Berets may have been training in the TNT area parachuting into the into the area and landing on cars you know experimenting with jet packs you know there's there's been so many different theories and honestly you know i don't really think anybody will be, ever be able to uh, close the book on what what it really was i mean i know that there were a lot of people who who encountered it and saw it but um and a lot of those original witnesses they still won't talk about it you know they they feel uncomfortable. They don't want the media attention. And, uh, you know, you have to kind of respect that. But um, I meet a lot of people in the museum. I have older people will come up to me and they'll say, you know what, we saw that thing, but we never told anybody. Hmm. We just was afraid that people would think we were all crazy and stuff, you know. Um, stories of physical contact. How about that? Because it's one thing to say, well, this one, this, this crossed our car, it pursued us. Mm -hmm. There's something on it. What about stories of physical contact or any kind of physical evidence or residue left behind? Are there any relics of the actual creature itself? Well, there were eyewitness descriptions and drawings. There was never any droppings or feathers or, you know, they, the sheriff's department, I think, when they went up, found a few footprints around the boiler room there at the North Power Plant. At that point, they didn't really... I don't think they they took it that seriously, you know, or whatever. Um, 
as far as I know, no no one was ever physically harmed or attacked or anything. There were people that I talked to that were within an arm's length of touching it. But uh, a lot of mental issues, you know, people just couldn't rationalize, you know, what it was. And it really made a lot of people paranoid, including John Keel. You know, he, uh, he never did actually see it because he would go back to New York then they would call him and say, hey, we saw it again. You need to come back down here. So, you know, he was back and forth all the time and stuff. But, um, you know, uh, but there was never anybody who was physically harmed. But I know a lot of those people, after they did see it, you know, they didn't want to talk about it and they didn't want to have anything to do with it. So, well, the, even to this day. The excerpts that you had provided on the website from John Keel's book, which I would really like to read one day. Yeah. As I said before, it's one of those things where most people have not read it, but everybody knows the title and what came from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you have, the, for, on the excerpt there, again, the 13 months of terror that culminated with a tragedy. I have to imagine that the tragedy he's talking about is the collapse of the Silver Bridge. Right. So yeah. what, now, now, what 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 is um, this is this is the thing I, I I would like to know is that so far what you have talked about is menacing, maybe in curious behavior from a non-human entity or something that people cannot identify, but nothing that is making any kind of nobody's getting attacked, nothing is being physically harmed. Uh, where did the link between Mothman and the bridge collapse come from? Well, I think basically that Silver Bridge was 40 years old. It was in really poor shape. It was built in 1928, and it was built, designed for horse and buggy, not coal trucks and semi-trucks. So the, the technical reason the bridge collapsed was a failed I-bar. Okay, so when that, that I-bar sheared, the whole bridge just went. But the fact that it happened right in the middle of all these Mothman sightings, UFO sightings, men in black... Some people thought that maybe there was a connection there. Um, the book and the movie really uh, played that up, especially the movie, you know, that that this creature, bird, spirit, whatever, you know, had caused the bridge to collapse. And it's kind of went that way for the past 10, 20 years, you know. Um, people say, well, before the Chernobyl disaster, they saw a large bird flying across and, every time there's a natural disaster or anything, but I, I don't really have any proof of that. You know, um, I get emails constantly from all over the world from people seeing weird stuff. I'm not so much, you know, a field investigator where I go out and look into all this stuff. You know, I just happened to be right in the middle of it. You know, I was young. I was very young when it happened and stuff, but I knew all those people, my family, they knew their families and stuff. Mm. And, and I don't really think that, you know, that many people could make up the same description and story. Right. If it would have been two or three, four people, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation right now. You yeah. know? But when you have over a hundred reported sightings to the authorities and, and people coming and saying, hey, you know, this, this huge figure flew over our house and, you know, or car or whatever, um, you know, there, there had to have been something to it. You know, I don't know. People ask me all the time, what do you think it was? And I'm just as clueless as everybody else. But I think it's kind of neat to look at a lot of the, you know, the, the interviews and, the, and the, the pictures and drawings that people have done over the years and 
the documentaries, you know, they bring up all the different theories and stuff. So it's, oh, it's yeah. pretty well, well, the most the most um, readily available theory is that Mothman, especially over the years of just allowing the Internet to do its thing, uh, has become some sort of a harbinger of impending doom or mm-hmm. some, or not even impending. Like, for, like you said before, um, I mean, I'm sure that you are, are only really concerned with things that are going on locally, but Mothman now has been cited all over the planet, well out, well outside of uh, your jurisdiction over there. Right, but, I right. mean, we over here in New York, I mean, there's been plenty of people who said that they saw Mothman in southern Manhattan on September 11th, 2001. I yeah, mean, we, uh, I forgot to mention that. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's listen, it's, it's all it's, over the place. It's, well, you know, now it's part of pop culture, mm-hmm. you know, because... You know, Mothman is right in there with Bigfoot and Loch Ness and all that. Um, it didn't used to be until the movie came out in the documentaries. And then, you know, you've got the Fallout 76 game. Um, you, you have people that come to the festival and stuff, you know, that uh, little kids, you know, look at almost Mothman the way I used to look at Batman when I was, a, you know, a kid, like a superhero type thing. So, you know, it's taken a life of its own as far as the way people perceive it you know the the people that i knew that those original witnesses just are not real comfortable talking about that stuff they don't look at it as a you know uh pop art right they look at it as something that really scared them and changed their life a little bit there you know so you know it's again it, it has been picked up by all the media and social media and movies and documentaries video games all kinds of stuff you know which is cool i mean you know it's everybody has their own opinion on it and things like that and i always explain to people i'm not i'm not in the business of convincing anybody of anything because all we do at the museum is give you a lot of those archives and and artifacts and let you come in and decipher it and and figure out what you think you know mm-hmm. i get people to come in the museum will stay in there for three four hours i get some people come in and they laugh and they think it's the funniest thing and you know they have a good time and they leave you know so there's there's different different ways that people perceive the whole story and stuff you know absolutely and and i and i, I also gotta say i know that um ever, many things are different there's a lot of differences between where I'm from over here in the you know southeastern part of New York, uh, suburban, urban areas in New York and West Virginia. But when I see a museum with le- uh, with five dollar admission for uh, for for adults and less than two dollar admission for kids under ten, that is <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say to that, Jeff. The, the, the prices like that, you don't well, you can't buy candy bars for less than five dollars over here so it's i think it's just yeah. so great how accessible you've made this and like you said people take it with with varying levels of, of uh, seriousness but um as you're talking about this i'm thinking of number one i'm thinking of orson wells and the war of the world's broadcast 1937 1938 
because mm-hmm. that was a very in the aftermath of that it was the, the the freak out was not nearly as much as people said but in the aftermath of that it the 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 public's response to what was being done on the radio was very well invested in it was very studied closely by you know the rockefeller types and all of that and they wanted mm-hmm. to see how people were affected by one singular event um right and and when i think about this you know the seriousness with which people tell these stories that they don't want to talk about it sometimes that it was a trauma it wasn't just mm-hmm. a curious thing you're you're describing a trauma that people experienced and i th- so i i think about figures like slender man and more recently this loab character this corpse like looking woman that keeps appearing in all this ai generated images uh, all over the right. internet and the questions about tulpas arise over and over again for me and and in certain circles now it doesn't explain the initial appearances of mothman but is it possible that mothman at least since then has materialized through concentrated human intention alone that that's one thing that i think about right right yeah you know i mean it that happened in 66 so it was a while back i mean you know the sightings went on for for a few years and um but yeah it like i said it's it, it's hard to tell in 20 years what <laughs> what the story how it will morph into to whatever i mean but i i see what you're saying yeah it's uh you know the whole men in black and the mothman and the ufos all that stuff kind of was all balled up into one thing and um and then again, you know, you talk to some people that just say, oh, you know, it was just a big bird. You know, even the locals referred to it as the bird man or the big bird or whatever. So a lot of them just thought, well, you know, it's just an abnormally sized bird. Um, others said, no, it was it was something a little a little worse than that, you know, than a, just a bird flying around and stuff. So well, well I, 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 it is interesting. It, amazingly, the, that Men in Black tie-in to the Mothman story changes all this for me. Um, could you go in? We didn't. You, you brought it up before, but can you go into that with a little bit more detail? Have they harassed witnesses? Are we talking Roswell-level harassment and door knocking? As as uh, yeah. as we read uh, about. Well, there was uh, you know there was a local newspaper reporter here at that time. Her name was Mary Hire. And uh, she was the, uh, you know, you didn't have the internet, social media, or anything like that. So, her her daily uh, columns in the in the Register and the Athens Messenger, uh, that's how people found out the news. Okay, so when John Keel comes to town after he hears about all this, they kind of join forces, and she's you know writing these articles about the UFOs and the Birdman and Mothman and all that. And then she tells John Keel, said, hey, you know, I look out my window at night, and there's a car sitting out there, and these two guys sitting there with black glasses on and hats, and they're watching my house. And then, then she says, they're coming into my office and asking me questions and acting very peculiar. Um, and I don't know who they are. They don't identify themselves, but they tell me that I don't need to be putting anything in the newspaper about you know, the, these sightings and UFOs and Mothman and stuff. So she was a little concerned about, you know, who they were. She said they, they just had an odd behavior to them. And she said one thing she noticed is that when they talked to her, they never blinked their eyes. They just, it was just always a cold stare. Mm. 
So little things she started picking up on. She said one of them picked up a, a pencil off of her desk and just stared at it like he didn't know what it was. She said they didn't act like, you know, they really were from around here and stuff. Um, so, yeah, that the, uh, there was one witness. Uh, her name was Connie Carpenter, and she she had an encounter in the daytime. It flew up beside of her car and scared her half to death. She went home. You know, she was distraught. And um, a few days later, she uh, her, her boyfriend at the time had told us, you know, in, in interviews with John Keel and stuff that she went to her mailbox and a car pulled up and they tried to pull her into the car and literally pulled the sleeve off of her shirt, you know. And uh, hmm. I actually found her on Facebook there a few years ago. And and uh, I don't think she realized, you know, she she found out quickly who I was and everything. And then I told her, you know, I'd like to talk to her sometime about it. And she said, if you want to talk about the Mothman stuff, she said, I'll never... I'll never talk about that ever again. She made it clear that she wasn't going to discuss it or anything. You see that that's a lot that's uh, something so far beyond the pale of uh you know I had a I had some right. a, annoying reporter come to my house again. This is nah. that that's that's something. What about what about you Jeff? Um you're a collector nah, of I've stories never... but you no no experiences yourself? No. I've met a lot of strange people, but <laughs> You're not not men in black. I mean, you know, I get a few prank phone calls once in a while. And and, and, like and no and no sightings of the Mothman for you either. No, 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 no. I mean, you know. Would you prefer uh, not to, or or do you want to have your own? Not. Okay. Yeah, you know, I've, I've I was you know, like I said, I was really young when all that was going on and stuff. You know, I think a couple of my buddies, you know, when we were in junior high, seen some weird lights in the sky. You know, that was about it. You know, we didn't think anything of it. You know. Um, that would have been in the in the seventies or whatever, but uh, no, um, I've never had any 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 personal sightings or any encounters with with uh, you know any of that stuff. But I have you know, like I said, I've talked to a lot of people that were there when it happened, secondhand witnesses. You know, um, you know, I did do some uh, investigation. You know, sometimes with that. It's it's always neat to talk to somebody who was there. Maybe they didn't see it, but they knew the people that did see it. You know, right? Because a lot of those people, you know, have passed away. I mean, you know, if they were in their twenties and thirties. You know, that's been that's been fifty five years ago. That's so yeah. Some of them are not, are no longer around. You know, it's crazy so to think about I, that. When I did the interviews and stuff, you know, I recorded everything. I did all those interviews for those two books, and and I have a, a audio record of all that that's timeless some of those audios they've been used in some of the documentaries and stuff like that but that's that's a piece of history i think absolutely it is i mean it was just a a couple of years ago everybody was we were talking about the i forget which um however many years it is since 1947 the uh, the roswell in uh, the july 8th or there were major major um, anniversaries over the last five to ten years, and the last of anybody who was, you know, alive to talk mm-hmm. about it personally gone. And you think yeah, about no. that because you know something like Roswell becomes a, a part of pop culture history in many yeah. ways, and it's more relevant to people than others. And uh, this, in particular, Mothman too. I mean, the, uh, the, the cryptids in America is very cozy thing. 
and it does run parallel mm-hmm. to a lot of just mainstream history. So it's great that you've got this down for in uh, for posterity because there's always going to be people that are going to want to know everything they can about this, and um, and you've got right. it on record. Um, yeah. Let me ask you about this now. I want to talk about the festival because that's coming up on mm-hmm. September 16th and 17th. Um, really, really wonderful uh, lineup of things you have going on here. It looks like you're attracting a lot of artists, a lot of uh, some music, great food. It's all Mothman uh, uh, themed. Tell us about the festival and, and how people can get out there and do it. Okay, well, yeah, the festival's been going on for about 20 years now. We started that festival, Carolyn Harris and myself, the late Carolyn Harris and myself started that. Uh, that's when I had the record store there on Main Street. She had a little diner. They, people referred to it as the Mothman Diner. And we thought, eh, you know, the movie it, the movie had just came out, and we thought it'd be cool to have a little Mothman convention or whatever, you know, and we tried it that first year. I think we had 500 people show up and stuff. And it just grew and grew and grew every year. And now it's one of the bigger festivals in the state of West Virginia. In, in the country, there's a lot. We get people from all over the country, all over the world. So we draw 20,000 people now to wow. Main Street, which was never built for 20,000 people, you know. But we, somehow we pull it off. You know, parking and traffic is pretty pretty bad. But, um, and um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a little rough there. But uh, we have live bands and guest speakers you know we get a few celebrities pop up once in a while and stuff and uh but it's it's a free uh, festival again we we still want to draw people to the merchants downtown and uh you know but uh you know you have the mothman statue out there the museum is open um live bands and all that kind of stuff so are you trying to promote a lot of the local tri-state bands you know Give them a shot. That's what I was going to ask. Are you are have you performed at? Uh, no, I can't. I'm to, usually too busy. Wait a know. second. No, no, no. You've been doing this for 20 years, and you never brought. You never went live with your guitar on that stage. Not even to 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 cameo and somebody else's. No, no. They 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 always ask me to come down and play a kiss song or whatever. But maybe maybe I'm just so swamped. I'm you know back and forth and everything. But. Uh, <laughs> Wow. Maybe we might have to do a reunion show or something. Oh, absolutely you do. You know, I'm looking, I was looking at all this stuff, the attractions, the events, the vendors that show up, the, um, you know, the I love the cosplay a- aspect of it. it it's only yeah. appropriate that anybody that's going down there and has that kind of a, that kind of a, um, you know, an interest in something like Mothman, they, they, it has to be some sort of a, a comic book feel to things. I mean, this is a... Yeah, it is. Right. But what about guest speakers? Do you ever had, have you ever had any, um, you know, the like talk, talk radio uh, shows show up there and do that live from Mothman, from uh, Mothman Festival, or what kind of speakers do you have lined up this year? Uh, we have a lot of authors, a lot of investigators, and there's a few of them that are, were witnesses. You know, we still have a few witnesses that will come to the festival. Um, and yeah, people do podcasts and, and video blogs and all that kind of stuff, you know, from the festival. We see a lot of them on YouTube and things like that. But um, yeah, it's kind of, and the cosplay aspect of it has taken a, a life of its own too. Yeah. You know, not not strictly all Mothman. I mean, you get people dressing up from all sorts of movies and things like that. So it's it's a, you know, it's a family oriented uh, festival. You know, we, we started it off as free, 
it's still free other than, you know, food and parking and that kind of stuff. So, but, um, yeah, the guest speakers and the, and the bands and all that people enjoy that, you know, especially some of them witnesses, cause they can actually sit down and talk to them and ask them questions and things like that. Cause yeah. there's not too many of them left. No, no, there's, there's not. Well, that's all on mothmanfestival.com. Uh, it's part of a, uh, a, a network of websites that you've set up. I have that all linked in the description of this episode. I got to get down there for a Mothman Festival one of these yeah. years. I, I really do. That that would be wonderful uh, to to do, and, uh, and maybe to do a show from there. So who knows? Maybe 2024. Um, it's gonna be okay. it's gonna be a crazy year next year, but that might be a, a much welcome break from yep. it all. Yeah, or just come. We're open year round at the museum. So I mean, you know, if you can't make the festival. Just let us know you're coming to the museum. All righty. Anything else you want to leave people with, Jeff? This is a wonderful conversation with you. Um, other than the fact, you know, like this, you mentioned, the, the festival's coming up in a couple weeks. Um, you know, the museum's open year-round, except for major holidays and stuff like that. Uh, come to Point Pleasant, there's a lot of history. Uh, not all Mothman. You know, you got the river industry history, the, the Native American Indian history. Um, there's a lot of museums. You have the River Museum, which is opening up right down from us, the new River Museum. You have a farm museum. You have Twin Dewey State Park, Crowdell Park, all kinds of stuff. So, you know, when we do those tours, we take everybody around and show them all those places. So, you know, Mothman's been a good calling card, you know, for people to come to Point Pleasant. You know, some people may come and the kids are into the Mothman. They'll go to the museum and the family might go over to the Riverfront Park or uh, the state park and stuff like that. So I think it's been good for tourism too. It's it's good. It's good for the soul. I love the curiosity. I love the vibe you've created. And uh, mm -hmm. as you said, it's, it's family friendly. And, and I really hope that I get to check this off on my bucket list uh, because it sounds okay. like a, a re really great time. And it's not with, it's not outside of driving distance. I would, I would do that drive. I would not charter a plane to West Virginia. That's what I would do. Yeah. So we used uh, to drive to New Jersey for the kiss convention. So you can come down here for Mothman. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, no, that's a good was New Jersey. Fair trade. Thank you for everything, Jeff. It's been a wonderful time okay. with you. All right. Have a good one. Have a good one. See Take ya. care. There he goes, Jeff Wamsley. Mothmanlives.com. That link is in the description of the episode. Nice little spot on a Wednesday night. And now we get to open up the lines on the second half of the show. Uh, Non-human encounters. You can get send me whatever. Anything in... in uh, Anything in theme for the show tonight? I don't care. I'd love to hear some spooky stories, some unexplained encounters that you've had with things that are obviously not human. And obviously not uh, anything that resembles ordinary local fauna, local uh, non-human inhabitants. That's what I want to know about. But uh, also, it's just uh, we can go anything goes, too. So I can't wait to hear from some of you guys, and we'll do some other things that came in in the second half of the show. won't be too call-heavy, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll make some time for it. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Ladies and We'll, we'll be right back. 
Show your face 
right, 807, what's going on in the world? What's going on in the world? We got the flood of Florida. Apocalyptic scenes as storm surge smashes sunshine state. Big Bend, 16-foot storm surge and more. Are you in Florida? What's going on there? I know a couple people out there have already made comments about them uh, being home from work or out of power. I know quite a few people's power's out. But that's Georgia and South Carolina comes up next. Don't know how how this has affected you. Let me know if you're out there. Um, I don't know. What's what's the other news of the day? We already talked about talked about uh, Mitch McConnell has another brain freeze. Uh, Sandra Bernhard's ex-manager claims that she cheated charities. These are the big. This is the big news. We got to circle back around to what's going on in Ukraine just to get the latest on that. We've been doing pretty good with that the last year and a half. But um, obviously, it's still of great import. Voice deep fakes coming for your bank account balance. Yeah, more on the scams with, with deep fake voices extorting people and whatever else. Oh. A new Titanic expedition is planned, but the U.S. government is fighting it. So for you guys and gals out there who said that the, um, that the, the, the doomed submarine, the trash can that went down to the, the Titanic, that it was all part of a conspiracy to bring about uh, new restrictions of, to, uh, for everyday people to explore the ocean floor. This might be a feather in your cap right here. Let's see. The U.S. government is trying to stop a planned expedition (coughs) to recover items of historical interest from the sunken Titanic, citing a federal law and international agreement that treat the shipwreck as hallowed gravesite. Oh, it's something else. Oh, okay. It's about, or at least on the surface, it's about... Retrieval of items. The expedition is being organized by RMS Titanic, the Georgia-based firm that owns the salvage rights to the world's most famous shipwreck. The company exhibits artifacts that have been recovered from the wreck site at the bottom of the North Atlantic, including silverware and a piece of the Titanic's hull. Wow. I didn't even know. Well, I mean, I knew that there were things like that. I've been to quite a few Titanic... um, Titanic ex- uh, exhibits where there were plates and things like that that were taken from the like pretty much the the debris uh, field um, and I also did see at one point although I don't remember where maybe it was just online that I saw it maybe I didn't see it in person um, I saw silverware silverware China things like that but as far as the pieces of hull I I know that Hull has been removed. And this Georgia-based firm, they own the salvage rights. It's obviously not exclusive. The government's challenge comes more than two months after the Titan submersible imploded near the sunken ocean liner, killing five people. But this legal fight has nothing to do with the June tragedy, which involved a different company and an unconventionally uh, designed vessel. So this is about retrieving artifacts. Okay, so it's not exactly the same thing, 
but a headline nonetheless. Let's get into the super chats and we'll take some of your calls. I'm going to leave open the general call line, 914-200-0269. And um, maybe go check in on the Gilded too, see if that works tonight. Stostube, thank you so much for the tip. Incompetent Hands also sent a, a tip and says, Hey Frank, no work tonight because of the hurricane here in Florida. There you go. So I'm chilling watching my favorite show about my favorite cryptid. Cheers, my friend, and blessings to you and yours. Yeah, there's a lot of different things that were added to the mix about Mothman tonight. Because the first question I had before I did a little bit of digging was, are we talking about some sort of a mythical origin story like the New Jersey Devil? Where it's the cursed 13th child of a local woman who lives in the Pine Barrens? Or is this something else? Is this something else? Is it somebody on a jetpack? Obviously, that would be a little bit different. The sound, especially in the 1960s, a jetpack in the 1960s, that is not going to be as smooth as something. Can you imagine driving down a country road in the middle of the night in 1966, 1967, around there, and you're going in excess of 70 miles an hour? And there is something with glowing red eyes, or at least two glowing red orbs, keeping pace with you up above your car that you cannot, you cannot shake. That's, that's crazy. But the military installation aspect of Point Pleasant, World War II, all those igloos, housing explosives or explosives, the only things going on there. Was that the only interest? Was it just a storage facility, Point Pleasant? There was nothing, anything else going on? And the, the Men in Black? Men in Black stories are creepy as hell. They really are. Uh, maybe I'll ask Greg Carlwood to dig up some of, his fa- some of his favorite Men in Black stories when he comes on in October. But that changes things. It at least adds in a different dimension to the Mothman story. Maybe it isn't a cryptid. Maybe we're talking government experimentation here again, cover-ups, secret technology. Uh, if the, I, if the, the saying goes that whatever the government or um, any kind of organization, the organizations, the power centers that really control the world and set the pace for the kind of technology we're allowed to have, if the old logic stands true that they are at least 50 to 100 years ahead of us, then think about what kind of toys they could have played with in some kind of a spooky way and reveal it to people in West Virginia, let's say. In 1966, you're talking about 21st century technology in, in 1966? That's if the logic holds out of that they're always 50 to 100 years ahead. And then there's the Tulpa aspect, which doesn't may lend to some of the more modern sightings that you see. But you got to remember, Slender Man, the things that, that, that we see that they have really been born from the Internet. And now the LOAB type of uh, things that are being born and taking, uh, taking note of inside of AI-generated art and all that stuff. We, we talked about her, that creepy-ass woman that keeps showing up inside of all this weird, creepy art. That kind of stuff, you cannot completely 
say no to the idea of tulpas and just things that are generated from willpower alone. Um, you know, mental projections that actually take up space in our frequency of light over here, but otherwise are really just almost like uh, ghosts. Could be, but that does not go far enough to explain the initial sightings. So there was a lot that I took away from tonight, and I had a lot of fun with it. All right, let's see. Rob says, hey, Frank, great show. I have a strange encounter back in 1989. I was a 12-year-old kid living in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was into basketball and would play at night. One night, I looked up and saw a perfect bullseye in the sky made of clouds. I went inside immediately. The clouds formed a perfect bullseye? Concentric circles with a dot in the middle? Now, that's incredible. What are you, you going to blame that on? What's going on there? Is that some harp? Chemtrails that make three perfect circles or however long it was? Katie Skye says, Hi, Frank. The Have You Ever Seen a Ghost Forum thread about ghost sightings? You'll see some good stories in there. And that is from the Quite Frankly Forum. Let's go there. We'll go check them out. What's this from? When was this posted? It was posted in January. Have you ever seen a ghost? Please explain. This is from uh, Lenick or Lena C. I'm convinced I saw the ghost of my beloved Nona. In the 1990s, I was living in my grandmother's two-bedroom two house, maybe a year after her passing. She had died in her sleep in my mom's house a few miles away, but my aunt, her daughter, had died in her sleep in this house, but not in my bedroom. In the 1970s, um, that's what, that was back in the 1970s when I slept in what I what used to be known as bedroom. I would always keep my door to the hallway closed since lights coming in bothered me. One night I had trouble sleeping because of the full because of foot problems. All of a sudden the door opened slowly, letting a light in from the hallway where my grandmother was standing. Nona was wearing a dress she always wore. I did not open my eyes fully, but peeped through squinty eyes, pretending to sleep because it was such a calming apparition. I didn't want her to leave by making sudden movements. She was, she just wanted to see that I was all right and then went away. Then I had to get up and close the door because the light coming in bothered me. I couldn't sleep and I went to sleep. I was not asleep at the time, so that was weird. Have you ever seen a ghost? You've got to be kidding me. That the light bothered you more the fact that that you just saw that it was calming to see your dead grandmother in the doorway but the light was bothering you i wouldn't i my grandparents loved me unconditionally and there is never any any reason why they would ever be uh, you know an agitating force. Nothing about them is agitating to me. Though you know you have dreams, and sometimes people you love show up in very disturbing, kind of awkward ways, and it just it turns into a nightmare. You know how that is. But I, ah, I don't think I would have a good experience. I don't care how angelic they look and how calming. They were, or uh, that is just good. Uh, good for you. Good for you. You got a lot more balls than I do. Wow, we. 
All right, 914-200-0269. What do you have for me? What do you have? Going over to Rumble, Jay Semo says, just saying hi. It's always great to hear from you, Jay. Thank you so much. Uh, Dawn in Ohio says, great show. I love the topic. I want to hear from some more people, especially if you're from West Virginia and you've seen Mothman. If you've seen it, then that's great. Thank you so much over on pill.net. This is on quitefrankly.tv. Witchy Poo says, happy hump day, everybody. Same to you, Witchy. Doug Simi, thank you. Tempo 420, C. Blanche, Sean Joe, uh, Bacon Slut. Always love seeing that name over there. That's funny name. Uh, Mr. McBastard. <laughs> That's funny, too. Mr. McBastard says, uh, working and lurking. Not lurking anymore, McBastard. I see you. Thank you, Robert Sarns. C. Blanche gives a peace sign. And Big Lou says, a little extra beer money. Wow, Big Lou, thank you so much. Boys Blanc with a cookie. And C. Blanche again and, uh, just gave uh, some gold pills for some mothballs to keep the mothman away. Is anybody in the West Virginia or within, um, you know, a stone's throw of West Virginia, Point Pleasant, that's going to go out there September 16th and 17th? to the Mothman Festival. That would be great if uh, Set the Charge can play the Mothman Festival sometime in the next couple of years. That would be wonderful. Go out there and rock out in September in West Virginia. Play a set. Aurora will be my drum tech by that that point. I'll teach her how to tune all of my toms and, and she'll have it all down. Yes, indeed she will. Let's take a Let's take a call on the Gilded. I hope this works. Let's see. First one I'm bringing in is Trail. Trail, do you hear me? Is this going to work? Trail has bounced out and fallen back into the the abyss because that's, that's the luck we have there. Uh, let's go to the only person who ever works on Gilded. Albert, how are you on your exclusive line? Hey, what's going on, Frank? Not that much. So, what do you think? Rest in peace, Isaac Happy, just to say it. Pretty sure that Mothman thing had to be those those miners with the (laughs) jetpacks. You think? From Peru? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it it was was the Peruvian miner jetpacks. It it was their uh, their great grandfathers. See, this is a family thing. Fuckers are everywhere, dude. You got to watch out for them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Now listen. Uh, now I, I I know that you're not into space aliens, but as far as as far as this not being all, all, everything that we can lay our eyes on, this not just being all there is to life, that there are so many more mysteries left to be unlocked. Uh, when when you hear about these things, these these testimonies that roll in about cryptids, sightings that are unexplained, sight that you cannot you cannot fit it into any profile of common animal or person or anything what do you go to do you uh do, do, do you do, do your imagination still run wild albert or do you have the answers to everything no i think i mean different things are possible like what you mentioned self uh what do you want to call it um you know the manifestation tel- no uh <laughs> manifest destiny if you want if you want to say that 
Um, you know, there's so there's so much that we don't know. The main thing, I mean, if you think about it, you go to a doctor and whatever, they, they, they still can't even tell you how you move your hand. I mean, they can tell you the mechanics of it and everything, but, you know, electrical signals, yeah, but how does that happen? And, and, and they're lost. I mean, we know nothing. You know, we're just, we're here hanging out. Um, I mean, as it occurs to me. So, I mean, there's a, a vast array of things that are completely possible. How, how would I know? Um, but I gotta, I gotta love Mitch McConnell though, dude. I, I, I don't, I know you said it pulls on your heartstrings. It doesn't pull on mine. Guy's been an asshole forever. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I giggle thinking that he's stuck in his head and I hope it's hell for him for the things that he's done. But, you know, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't really matter because, you know, we all leave anyways. The best thing about Mothman, though, I think is that song by Sick Kick that you played that one time for me. That, that, was, that, that, that was great. What, what song? Mothman by Sick Kick. Sick Kick? Yeah, you played it in the opening once a long time ago. Really? Anyway, I thought I thought you might have done that for this show because I was like, wow, I wonder if he's gonna do that. And uh, and see, but, I mean, we forget shit comes and goes. Are you sure? But, uh, how about how about that rainstorm that that we had in Michigan when you're talk? Some people were talking about that, dude. We don't even have storms like that here, you know. I think I remember. Uh, you know, being a little kid and having one hailstorm and and whatnot, and then all of a sudden, but they can't burn us out here. You know, they can't burn us out here. So the only thing they can do is just try to flood us out. Yeah, they can't rain every day. They're gonna drown you out over there. That's what they they, they do. They'll just uh, they'll just fine tune the assassination tool. Uh, I want to do a little bit more yeah. on the on the Hawaii thing soon too, because I know that that is just uh, it's just incredible. It it really is incredible. Um, that's uh they said in the early 90s i mean they said or actually before that i think they said by the mid 90s they'd be able to control the weather and i mean they're, they're just doing it and it's 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 so cool to me to watch it because you know how many times have i called in and and talked about that tool song <laughs> you know, anima? Just, we're watching it burn dude yeah we're watching it burn you're talking about anima and, uh, learn to swim <laughs> learn to swim. Especially well, if you're in Michigan. If you're in Michigan, you're gonna have to learn to swim. That <laughs> everybody else, it, we'll see what happens. Some some people are gonna have to learn to fly with the with all of the uh, the, the the wind and the tornadoes and oh god no. Anyway, yeah, well, we all we all have boats here, so we'll do our best and fuck the rest. You know, it's all you can do. The main thing is is uh, you know. And with good company, and and this has always been that. And I really appreciate the show. I always have. Um, enjoy your evening. Thank we'll you. Talk soon. Thank you, Albert. I'm sure we will uh, on your on the bat phone over here, the Albert phone. Uh, Mothman, sick kick. Let me see if I've played this before. He, he, he actually reminds me of Isaac Cappy right there. Uh, that one Isaac Cappy song they put out. I love that song. 
Um, but let me see. You know, I think I did play this once before. It's just been a long time, and I'm going to put this back in my playlist just so I don't lose track of it, because that's uh, that's pretty sick sound. I like that sound. Yes, indeed. All right, let's take a call. Uh, you are on the air. Who's this? Ricardo, man. How you doing? Hello, Ricardo. Good to have you on. Um, I was... I don't know if you remember me or not. I'm the one that called about that demon that almost tried to sleep with me. <laughs> oh yes, yes. Now I re- well, I remember Ricardo. I I, I remember this uh, th- this call. I just do not remember the subject matter. But yes, you were sexually assaulted by a uh, spirit. Yeah. Uh, this was in but, this was in the, uh, the 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 dorm room, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, um, but I have a different story. Okay. Uh, uh, I was actually in Mexico, in uh, Guadalajara, and my sister was going to get married down there, and uh, so the whole family went over there, uh, and we kind of split up between different aunts. You know, I'm originally from down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, my at my aunt's house where I was staying, I had a cousin before I was even born that had passed away there. Uh, She was a little baby. I don't know if you remember like old school cars, how the windows, how you would roll them up. The electrical was like a little, almost like a little switch that went forward and backwards. Um, It wasn't where you pressed down, you know, it was forwards or back. And uh, my aunt was unloading uh, groceries and uh, you know going back and forwards from the driveway to the inside and in that time in one of those uh, my cousin had gone out of the car seat stepped on the actual switch and uh, uh, the window went up and choked her uh, to death whoa so <clears throat> yeah that she was you know how like, how old like about a year or so. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. Yeah. Just so terrible. What I found interesting though was that you know my brother-in-law, my sister, and I stayed at that house, and um, in the room that I was staying with my brother-in-law, there was this window that you could see into the driveway, little porch area. Uh, the blinds were those uh, vertical, you know, blinds that just kind of open. <clears throat> and uh, I was tossing and turning, tossing and turning. I couldn't, like, get comfortable. And this is, like, you know, pretty late, like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, and in one of those, I can see through the crack of this blind, and I see this little girl in a white kind of gown, uh, sleeping gown like just standing there on the porch and I was like oh hell no so I like you know covered my, myself up and uh, I was like no I really don't want to like try to like meddle with anything right now like or mess with anything I was like I actually really want to go to sleep 
and uh, I just like felt this like presence inside the room. So I took off my blanket off of my head, and she was standing in the like the foot of my bed, uh, just like looking at me. Nothing like evil or anything like that. It was like a very peaceful. And and, and and what's your reaction to this? Okay, so she's it's peaceful. Uh, because when you say this, I put myself in your position. I don't care if she's you know uh, eating an ice cream cone. The most you know, <laughs> it, it's almost like it's almost like with, with, with Ghostbusters. You choose the form of the destructor, and in the air, in comes the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, this is this is still horrifying to me. I don't care what they're doing. She could be skipping rope, and it does not matter to me. She shouldn't be in there. What's your reaction? I mean, honestly, it, it freaked me out. I think it was more so because it was outside last time I saw it, and now it was inside the room, like at the foot of my bed, just looking at me. And you're sober. Uh, and so, yeah, so, I was 100% sober. And uh, so I, like, covered myself up again, and this time I was just like, I'm not even going to look up. Like, what, is she going to be, like, right next to me this time? Like, <laughs> she's obviously getting closer to me. Uh, so I, like, just, like, stayed underneath the blankets, didn't want to, like, do anything. Uh, my brother-in-law is, like, he doesn't even watch scary movies at all. You know, so I was like, I'm not going to wake him up. He's going to get married tomorrow. Like, he's not going to even be able to sleep if I wake him up, you know? So I was like, I'm just going to, like, stay in bed under the sheets and, like, not do anything. The next morning, my sister wakes up and goes to my brother-in-law and was like, we are not staying here another night. And she was like, why? She's like, there was this little girl that was standing at the foot of my bed. And she's in another room. Like, she was like, you know, there was this little girl that was standing at the foot of my bed and just looking at me. And I don't know if it was my cousin or what, but we're not staying here another night. No. So whenever my brother-in-law told me that, I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I swear to you that the exact same thing happened to me yesterday. And they were like, yeah, we're definitely not staying here another night. No. But... No, so it, it was, you know, even though it wasn't like evil looking or anything like that, uh, it was still scary as hell, you know? Ricardo, that is the... Like, how is it that the... Like, because, you know, she died whenever she was a year old. This was like a 10, 11-year-old girl. Oh. That's the part that tripped me out. Because I'm like, well, shouldn't you have stayed in that form? You know what I mean? Are, but well, are you certain it's that girl? It's it's your it's well, your it's no. this, I mean see that's no, what I'm saying. Hundred percent certain. So it's you know that that would be a if there was some way to confirm that this is the uh, the, the deceased one year old um, who got caught in the car window that she has somehow in uh it, it, in another place continued to age. That I mean that that is a whole other boatload of questions but it doesn't matter um ultimately the story is what it is and uh i think that response was the good one we're getting the hell out of here and that is that's the end of it that's the end of it i mean i'll tell you it just i don't it would it would be i would pack up my entire family and that would be it (laughs) ricardo thank you for the call man 
Absolutely, man. You have a good one. There's God another. There's another. Another one from Ricardo. He's two for two as far as mind blowing calls go. Man, I preferred him talking about the uh, horny ghost. I'll tell you. I, I got to be honest. The horny ghost thing at least gave me hope. <laughs> you wake up in the middle of the night and something could be tickling your balls, perhaps. You're like, what? You'll never happen. You'll you never guess what happened to me last night. But the whole just staring thing. Ooh. If it must happen, let it be a horny ghost. But uh, I don't want any of that, please. I don't want any of that. All right, let's take a really, uh, <laughs> really quick break. When we come back, we still have about 24 minutes left. This has been a good show. It's going all over the place, just the way I like it sometimes. All right, don't go nowhere. One voice. Yo, yo, what's going on? Here we rock a rocka, and we just want to be a big cheers, everybody. Police in New Orleans clearing out Bourbon Street, breaking developments in the coronavirus pandemic. Look, I can understand it both ways. I understand it, but everybody acting like the coronavirus is just so much of a big deal. Everybody scared and everything. I'm just saying, I played a hell of a joke on these people at work. Yeah. Look, I locked the door from the outside. They was in there having lunch. I walked in the room. I said, Achoo! <laughs> you should have seen them in there running, trying to get out the windows out of that thing. I said, hold up. Wait a minute. Something right. They was in there sweating like a snowman in hell. Look, I just can't wait till you get back to the days where you can stick your in somebody's and not have to wash your hands afterwards. You know, now you got to go ahead and drink a whole bottle of sanitizer before you do anything. The coronavirus is not that damn serious, y'all. <coughs> hey, don't, 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 don't do that. I'm, don't do that. <laughs> You're right, Simon. The word of the day is sonder, 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 noun. Sonder is defined as the realization that each passerby as a life as vivid and complex as your own. Suddenly it strikes you. The barista serving coffee, the artist sketching portraits, the old man feeding pigeons. Each person is the protagonist of their own epic tale. They have dreams, disappointments, and moments that make their hearts soar. In this grand tapestry of life, we are all interwoven threads, adding our color to the grand design. Well, there you have it. That's Sonder. Have you ever paused to consider all the stories that are unfolding around you? There's almost eight billion of them. I'm Don Hewley, and that's The Daily Word.
All right. Let's see y'all. Let's see. I just got an astro detail sent to me by a friend of the show. Astro. Take a listen to this. Frank, here's a quote for you. Pluto, as it moves through Capricorn, is opposing the sun in the natal chart, reflecting major and irreversible or irrevocable changes on many levels. This aspect has only occurred once before in American history during the period of the Revolutionary War. Trump's arrest has national significance, demonstrating vividly that the legal and constitutional system is defunct. It is dead. Mercury went into retrograde on the arrest. It will not play out as intended. It will be unsuccessful. The next eclipse is on his trial date, which equals an explosion. And it hits the U.S. national chart directly at its most important points, international status and economy. Attacking Donald is bad for the U.S. brand. The same people attacking him created the war in the Ukraine and are trying to smash up bricks. They are deliberately creating a civil war in the U.S. in order to finalize the police state. So that's kind of, that came in from a uh, that came in from Mike the Psychic. Just throwing that one out there. Um, anything else over here? Oh man, I had a uh, situation today. Well, it's not a situation. It's just it's one of those things I expected. Uh, Aurora suffered her first legitimate rejection on the playground today and I just I can see it unfolding I could see it unfolding and I just had to sit back and I had to let it happen um went up to the park she said daddy can we go to the swings you got it so we start walking up we, we do our little walk trek up there we're at the park and all that stuff and, and uh, we're on the swings she says I really I, I want a friend I want to make a friend and she always makes friends um, and we've, we've you know she's she's not a lonely girl even at, at two two and a half well she's gonna be three in a couple of weeks so whatever she's three anyway she was thinking out loud because she saw all the kids running around she wanted to make friends with them so I go well we'll go make friends and I told her I said listen but you have to understand you just go out there and ask people do you do you want to play with me and sometimes they're gonna say yes and sometimes it's going to say no. Just like some people who come and ask you, if you want to play, you're going to want to say yes to some people and you're going to want to say not right now. And she understands. Well, first girl she uh, she went up to said, you know, she, she said, you want, to, you want to play with me? Oh, it's just, it's beautiful and it's sad to watch, to watch your child you know, just try to wiggle her way into groups of people and wanting to be there, running. You know, at first, even if she's not acknowledged by another kid, to, to to just follow kids around. It just they just tag along first, and they try to find whatever. And you know, and she's usually trying to tag along with kids that are a couple of years older than her, that have a lot better language. She she speaks amazingly, but uh, still. Um, watching her try to start conversations and all that anyway this girl that she asked to to, to play with uh, they they actually were were running around a little bit 
for for a, a second or two. Girl had to be about two or two and a half years older than Aurora, so she was kind of dusting her, you know, just running faster, running on, you know, doing things a lot more advanced physically and all that stuff. And um, and about maybe ten minutes into their little excursion, she got called over by her babysitter and they left. And so Aurora's just looking for a new new people to get in with, and she finds this group. This group of kids. Some of them look like they're a little bit younger than her, but uh, you know the, the the ringleaders are at least six, seven years old girls, and um, she's just not getting in. And they're moving from one place to the other. And she's trying to, you know, get in there, sit down with them, and just you know trying to talk to them, whatever. And I can see this is it. She's she's going to be told to either leave or they're going to run away or something's going to happen. And I've got to just let this happen. She's got to know it. And boy, um, when it was clear that she had been told you you can't come with us or something, I I said Aurora Aurora, you know, called her. I said let's go let's go to a slide together. I want to go on that slide. And she she responded to me. She she walked. She started walking over to me. Hung her head, and she just started crying. And so I went in there. I swooped her up. And uh, I said, what's the matter? And I knew what happened. And she said, I want to go home. And they, you know, they're not nice and all that stuff. And I just, oh, my God. The cracking. The cracking of my heart. The, I, it, it was like you can actually feel. like It was almost like cracking knuckles. You can actually feel. I can hear the sound of my heart cracking apart. Oh, but, you know, calmed her down and gave her some perspective and took her mind off of it. And uh, it's only the first of many. You got to do it. You got to do it. But, man, that sucked. That sucked. And I was waiting for that shit. I was waiting for that. I knew it was going to happen. But today was the first. Anyway... Brought her home. I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about that for, I don't know, uh, five and a half hours, six hours now. It's just been on my mind. So I'm just sharing it with you guys. So many of you have had children around the same time Aurora was born. I wish we were all hanging out together because I know all, you know, there'd be like 35 children. Um, uh, just, just, they would all be friends, you know, wouldn't have to think about this. You know, what have to think about, I don't want to take a chance. You have to take that chance though. You got to know what's out there. You got to know rejection. You just got to, especially if you're in this business and Aurora, I don't know what she's going to be one day. She's got a performer's spirit. I don't see her being a behind the scenes kind of a person. Maybe she is, but she's too much of a ham. So she's got to be able to know what rejection feels like anyway. But that's just, that's just something I'm. I'm uh, I'm throwing out there to you guys. All right. Those little bastards. I want to break their fucking faces. You know, <laughs> I'm just, I wanted to, I, and then the rest of the day, I'm like, should I send something? Should I, you know, like, come on, Aurora. No, no, come over here. You know, they're not nice people. Like, you know, it's like trying to be like passive aggressive to full on aggressive. You know, all the things like, come on, no, Aurora, listen, they're, they're, they're going to grow up to be monsters one day. Don't worry about them. They have nothing to live for. You know, all the things, all the things I wanted to say that's running through my head that I, you know, especially for the six and seven year olds to hear, 
because they could they understood that i was the dad and they're kind of like you know looking at me as i was calling her over they understood what was going on there the, at least the older ones knew oh we just rejected this guy this guy's been watching us reject his daughter yeah oh aurora come on come on no 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 they're gonna be there they have they have there's no, nothing there's no success for them in the future they're horrible people they have no souls don't worry but don't even worry about it come on let's go on this uh let's go on the uh, the slide for people with spirit come over here this is where people with actual uh you know a chance get to hang out so <laughs> I, was, I was walking home i was like you know what uh, 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 lauren's got to take aurora to uh she's she's got to take her to a couple of more of these because I, I i like taking aurora up there to the, the the swings and all that stuff but after today i was like you know what i think i think lauren's got to take her to the park next time because if this happens two times in a row what am, what am i going to be what, what, what am i gonna do just gotta get over it that's what i gotta do all right, let's go and see what else we have over here. You know, I'm going to put this Have you ever seen a ghost thread in my favorites because we can do this on a couple of nights. There's some really uh There's a couple of good ones here. A couple of good ones. All right, let's take another call. One more call. Uh, 713, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey Frank, this is Swish in Houston, Texas. How are you? How are you, Swish? I'm all right, man. Hey, um, I first caught you on X22 the last time you were on there about a year or something ago, and I have I've, I don't think I've missed many shows since, man. So, uh, great, 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 great show. Well, thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much, and I hope that Dave is well. And I gotta I gotta email him again. I emailed him. <laughs> I emailed him about I don't know. It feels like close to a year ago to make sure that we were on good terms because we were on opposite sides <laughs> of the we we were we were kind of on opposite sides of the field on that 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 last show that I appeared yeah, on yeah. with him. So yeah, I saw you on there. I'm like, who is this guy? And uh, so anyway, I kind of almost kind of switched slowly. I don't really listen to it too much. It's kind of. You know, I don't want to say it's, it's a good show, but uh, you know, I just kind of, you know, I, I listen to that thing religiously forever. I guess, but you know, you know, you don't have to explain. Stuff. You don't have to explain. <laughs> I, I'm happy you're here, and uh, yeah. and uh, and I hope you have been having a good time. So, what's on your mind, Swish? Well, a couple things. Uh, uh, what's your main site? Is it still YouTube at at this point, or what? Oh, no. I remember sometimes you you do like thirty minutes and switch and all that stuff. Oh uh, well, I, I'm going to, once we have our updated sign off YouTube sign off videos ready. Then we're going to be just splitting uh -huh. it, splitting it right down the middle. Uh, uh, and, and for the for the time being, uh, that's what we'll do. Well, the first hour will be on YouTube and everything, and then we'll sign off of YouTube. And and I would say, for keeping in touch with the show, quite frankly, TV is just the best way yeah. to go. That's just the best way to go because no matter what, I'll but, always be live there. Yeah, Walk well, Society is doing the same thing over at Build basically, but just because if you don't want to get lose all his following again yeah but, scott uh, you know i heard hey, scott hey, was man, doing that i heard scott okay. i heard scott was doing that uh to going yep. going exclusively over on um on on foxhole which i think is is really great because you know you can always upload well, I things think it's .net, actually but yeah but foxhole foxhole is the oh, is the actual video client the oh, okay. video server to it yeah it's a little it's a little um confusing that there's foxhole then there's pilled yeah and so but yeah <laughs> right. i understand Right. Well, well, down here in Houston, man, we don't need any rain. It used to be like Miami down here. 
I've been here. I've been here about six, seven years. It gets to rain every day. We haven't had mentionable rain in 35 days, man. Wow. So it's been tough, tough down here. I don't know what's it like up there. You guys getting rains or just we've been in a big time drought. I don't know. You know. I don't know. I, you know, I, I saw a com. I saw a uh, an article yesterday how most of the drought affected areas of California are, have now been reversed. Now there is almost oh. there's almost no drought in California, and other parts are being parched, yeah. and then other parts are being flooded. Over here, exactly where I am in in New York, it, it's kind of been. It's kind of an even keel. We've had a right. You're a little bit outside of the city, right? In uh, Westchester, right? Yeah, we're a little bit outside the oh, city, okay. but it's really right, right. It, it's been a it's been a pretty average summer. I I know all the reporting. Hey, hey what's what's the delay on here? Cause I'm trying to I was trying to watch it, and I was like, it's going to say seven one three. Is it fifteen seconds or four seconds or what? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It, it could be anywhere up oh, to okay. a minute in some places. Yeah. Well, I had a quick thing on a on a Mothman. I don't, I'm not quite sure what to make of that because uh, it's stu- that stuff happened quite a while back. The actual story, but I, I guess she was she was really good. But I kind of think whatever that Mothman thing was, it seems like it kinda, whoever wherever he came from, they kind of kind of gone, right? We there's no more sightings of it. I know, I know. I mean, I was this, hoping uh, you'd ask him that because it kind of disappeared. These sightings happened a long time ago. Exactly, exactly. And, and I, I guess I could have formulated a question that, that got to that point a little bit clearer. But um, that yeah. re- that is the that is the the whole um, that's the crux of the Mothman prophecies <laughs> that John Keel wrote about that that we're talking about within a just a little bit over a year, a year, two years or so, there was a very specific window where all this stuff was happening, where it's not just sightings of things that are flying around. Um, It was things that were, um, uh, we're talking about things of a a, a military strangeness. We're talking about structural failures of bridges. We're talking about, uh, and then the the, the men in black aspect is still very, very fresh for me. So, and it's all happening with that very (laughs) specific thing, but it was enough to leave an impact, you know? Uh, It It did, yeah. So like you were saying, all the people had the same weird stories. But the jetpack thing, you know, you got to figure the jetpacks that they had, you know, they had them in the, I remember those old grainy, I haven't seen jetpacks lately, but I bet if they have them now, they're way different because cars in the 60s don't look like cars now. Uh, uh, they might, it might be quiet. And, and he didn't say, I don't know if they had red eyes. I thought they said it had some discs with red lights on the, on the discs. No, no, the, the, the discs. That's, and, what, that's what Timothy Alvarino said, right? Well, Timothy Alvarino said, well, well that's going back to uh, Albert's comment about, hey, maybe the, the jungle miners that were in Peru, that everybody said, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. and of course that was the, that was the, the joke. The joke was that, that these are actual miners that have, uh, Le- Le- levitation discs <laughs> on their feet that are uh, right. I don't know, but anyway. Right. Is anyway, 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 I, I got to wrap it up real quick. Matt, I love his laugh. Sometimes I'll be walking in and I'll do laundry or something. I walk in, Matt's laughing. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. I just start laughing. Well, um, also, uh, DeSantis is going to be in trouble because after this hurricane, apparently all the insurance companies in Florida don't have the money to cover all this stuff. You know what I'm talking about? But he, he was on Bannon today with Laura Loomer. And uh, it's going to be a big mess for that. And Sick Kick, I don't know, I, I'm a DJ. Uh, I record some of the alternative songs you play, so I know all of them. And I put a QF by them, so I have all your songs right there. And people love it at my, my get-togethers and stuff. It's called, it's a remix of In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. 
So oh. it's, it's a really good, it's a really good jam. Maybe maybe you could put in the rotation. Well, hey, send me the link and thank you for the call. Swish, that's great. He's got a lot going on there. I didn't hear about the insurance thing. I don't know what the 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 basis of that claim is for. Did he say Laura Loomer said that on Bannon's show, the War Room? I don't I don't know what the basis of that claim is. Why all of the insurance companies in Florida have no money left? If it if if, if it's something that Ron DeSantis bears personal responsibility for, then of course that would be um, that would be a story. But yeah, a lot of that all the Mothman stuff happened right in that that window, and it left enough of an imprint to last for generations. And now, of course, people are seeing it all over the place. But the, could that be the mental aspect of it? Could it be the manifestation aspect of it? Spiritual? Don't know. Do not know. You know, Roswell was only one crash or one incident. Multiple vehicles, they say. And, of course, the the theories over there range across a whole, I don't know, you know ar- array of circumstances, whether it was a scalar scalar uh, 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 weapons, scalar guns that were used to shoot things down or whatever the hell is going on, all the official stories and everything in between. There was only one day. That was only one day, July 8th or whatever it was, 1947. That was only one day, not 13 months. You saw what Roswell became. And just as much cover-up and just as much micromanaging of narratives and people getting knocks on the door from strange people and getting the, uh, you know, the third degree. And so all questions are valid. And you know what? From an audience like this who deals in supernatural questions all the time, I don't know why any of this stuff is really ever dismissed out of hand. Obviously, there can be uh, more than one way to skin a cat to explain something that is inexplicable at times. Is it of human hands or is it some kind of a bleed over from another another dimension or is it who knows? Who knows? Anyway, those are the questions of our time and many others because it won't go away. It's just not going to go anywhere. Thank you, Swickley. Thank you, Tennessee Jed, who says, great show, Frank. Thank you so much. And uh, Boys Blanc and everybody else, let me make sure I didn't miss anything over on Rumble. Dawn in Ohio says, I might go to, uh, I guess, the Mothman Festival. I'm about two and a half hours away. Oh, two and a half hours, that's nothing. That's nothing. If you got a day uh, open, why not? Why not? Tell everybody I said hello. (laughs) Anyway, all right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. We'll get this up on demand, on demand. As soon as we can. And tomorrow, we'll be live with Mike King. A true crime evening over here on, quite frankly, for the Thursday evening um, edition. So please uh, send in all your questions. Love to get you involved in that. And in the meantime, have yourself a wonderful evening. I'm going to go release the scratching. I'm going to empty the treasure chest on DLive, and we'll be on our way. I'll catch you on the flip side.
quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience. And now our super chatters, starting with Jay Semo, Dawn in Ohio, and we had one more. I know we did. And, oh, I know, it was just Dawn in Ohio twice. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Katie Sky. Thank you, Stostube and Incompetent Hands, you guys and gals. Oh, and thank you, Todd Fife, for a wonderful tip over there on Rockfin. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I saw it late, but I'm sorry. I'm, I'm happy I saw it. Thank you for everything, Todd. You're a very, very generous man. All right. Good night, everybody. Talk to you soon. And go to quitefrankly.tv because now we have the Mothman After Hours. Jump down that rabbit hole a little bit deeper and get spooked. Stay Billy. <laughs>